You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. NCSC and CISA issue a joint warning on cyber threats during the COVID-19 pandemic. India's government seeks to limit disinformation on social media. Zoom works on privacy issues and government contact tracking apps face their own problems. A new DDoS botnet is out. BGP hijack requests persist. Is a front company facilitating Chinese government rats, spies and spyware? And a biometric advance leads from the rear. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. British and American cybersecurity agencies have issued some joint advice on cybersecurity. The UK's National Cybersecurity Center, the NCSC, and the US Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, more familiarly known as CISA, have issued a joint public warning about ways in which the pandemic and the emergency measures put in place to contain it have given rise to a wave of cyber attacks. The advisory introduces its warnings like this, quote, Both APT groups and cyber criminals are likely to continue to exploit the COVID-19 pandemic over the coming weeks and months. Threats observed include phishing using the subject of coronavirus or COVID-19 as a lure, malware distribution using coronavirus or COVID-19-themed lures, registration of new domain names containing wording related to coronavirus or COVID-19, and attacks against newly and often rapidly deployed remote access and teleworking infrastructure. Much of the malicious activity is being carried by email. CIS's Assistant Director for Cybersecurity, Brian Ware, said, in an email, as it happens, As the COVID-19 outbreak continues to evolve, bad actors are using these difficult times to exploit and take advantage of the public and business. Our partnerships with the NCSC and industry have played a critical role in our ability to track these threats and respond. We urge everyone to remain vigilant to these threats, be on the lookout for suspicious emails, and look to trusted sources for information and updates regarding COVID-19. We are all in this together, and collectively we can help defend against these threats. The NCSC's cover note adds some sensible overarching cautionary advice. This is a fast-moving situation, and this advisory does not seek to catalog all COVID-19-related malicious cyber activity. You should remain alert to increasing activity related to COVID-19 and take proactive steps to protect yourself and your organization. 
So the advisory summarizes the threats the agencies are seeing, and it offers brief but useful guidance on how individuals and enterprises might deal with them. The full advisory is online at the us-cert.gov website. Authorities in India are cautioning against and prosecuting disinformation during the current state of emergency. Reuters reports that the Indian government has asked both Facebook and TikTok to remove users they determined to be spreading misinformation about COVID-19. The authorities are particularly concerned about mis- or disinformation directed at Muslim audiences. According to the Mumbai Mirror, the authorities are serious about prosecuting those who promulgate fake news and hateful posts in social media. 132 cases are open and 35 arrests have been made so far. ZDNet writes that Zoom, the teleconferencing service whose use exploded during the current pandemic emergency, has brought in Alex Stamos, formerly Facebook security chief and subsequently a fellow at Stanford, as an independent security consultant. Stamos emphasized in a blog post that he's neither an employee nor an executive at Zoom, but that he's attracted to the challenge of how a low-friction collaboration platform might scale without presenting hackers with an equally low-friction opportunity. Taiwan has banned Zoom entirely, largely because of the company's ties with Chinese enterprises, and because, the register notes, Zoom sends much of its traffic through China. Zoom is far from the only service struggling with privacy. Privacy concerns run neck-and-neck with public health during the COVID-19 pandemic. Many governments are scrambling to find ways of tracking contacts at scale during the pandemic. As computing reports, there's a general search for tools that can do this in ways that don't compromise individual privacy. But so far, the apps being deployed aren't inspiring confidence in this respect. Researchers at ZeroFox report that the governments of Italy, Colombia, and Iran have stumbled badly with respect to the privacy protections of the mobile apps they've pushed out. It seems reasonable to assume that this is more a general problem. ZeroFox doesn't attribute the privacy issues to bad intent, not even, we observe in fairness, in the case of Iran. It's just a difficult problem to solve. Bitdefender researchers today reported their discovery and assessment of a major Internet of Things botnet. They call it Dark Nexus, after a string it prints in its banner. They add that while the new botnet incorporates some code from both Qbot and Mirai, it's significantly more capable than these and other competitors. Intended for distributed denial of service, Dark Nexus is regularly updated and designed to be unusually persistent. Bitdefender thinks it's the work of a known botnet wrangler, who goes by the name Greek.Helios, who advertises DDoS services in various social media. The team at venture capital firm Blue Ventures recently held a funding competition called CyberTank, modeled after the popular TV reality show Shark Tank. In this case, four entrepreneurs made their pitch to a group of CISOs and VCs. At the end of the day, it was threat-hunting platform InQuest that caught the judges' eyes. Pedram Amini is chief technology officer at InQuest. Apparently, this is the first time they had it in this format. I mean, quite literally, we walked out to the Shark Tank music. So that was kind of a unique experience. <laughs> you know, both uh, my, my co-founder and I have a lot of friends in the area. One of our advisors uh, happened to be involved with the Blue Ventures group. So he brought it up. And then we had a, another contact who also brought it up. And then a third time I saw it on LinkedIn. So at that point, we got interested and wanted to get involved. 
Well, uh, take us through that process then. How did you prepare to uh, tell the story of what you're up to there at Inquest to this panel of judges? Yeah, you know, it's um, it generally when you're when you're pitching an idea, um, you know, you've got 30 minutes to an hour. You know, in this case, we had just a few minutes. So we really just went with the story. Um, you know, my background is very much in the shoes of an offensive security researcher. And my business partner is very much a defensive background. You know, I ran one of the biggest computer hacking teams uh, on the planet, and he was playing defense for, you know, one of the, the largest and most attacked offices on the planet. And so between the two of us, you know, we kind of have a full spectrum view of the whole thing. And when we came to build a product, we bring both you know, sides of the team to the, to the equation. Um, so we just went with the story, you know, how we met, what fuels our passion, um, and how that resulted in Inquest being founded and then fell into the Q&A session from there. Yeah, that's interesting. What, what sort of uh, questions were they asking you? You know, this is one of the other reasons why we thought this um, event would be interesting. It was really neat. You know, they had essentially three sharks. Um, and so ours was Ron Gula, you know, an absolute, he's uh, is, is a well-known name in the industry, someone I've looked up to uh, when I first got into the, the game. And then you also have a CISO that's, that's paired with you. You know, ours was a CISO of Unisys. So each group had one shark and one CISO that was paired with them in the sense that anybody could ask questions, but that specific pairing had done some homework beforehand and came prepared with some tough questions. So, you know, that was, that was highly valuable for us. You know, anytime we can glean insights from a practitioner that's in you know, a CISO from a large corporation, you know, that, that's good for us. Now, you all, uh, you won the day. You, you were the winners of the competition. What happens next? You know, the Blue Ventures group is a pretty unique, uh, I guess they're an angel group. You know, it's a, a large collection of, of folks and mostly in the Beltway area. We, we will follow up with an official pitch to that, to that group. You know, Inquest as a company has been profitable from day one, so we're not exactly in a position where we're, we're looking for outside investment. But as they say, the best time to ask is when you're not looking. So we look forward to... <laughs> pitching to that group and, and hearing their questions um, and having some more time to, to dive into what we do. What sort of recommendations or advice would you have for other organizations who may be in a similar situation and are considering a competition like this one? Sure. I mean, the, the best advice I can give is, is you at the end of the day, you have to put yourself out there. You know, whether nothing is too big or too small, no event should be seen as not providing potential value. Um, you know, just get out there. Uh, put put the time in and, and good things will come of it. That's Pedram Amini from Inquest. One of the more interesting features of yesterday's BlackBerry Silence report on a decade-long record of rat herding by five related threat groups working on behalf of the Chinese government is its identification of a possible front company. Worldwired Labs is the purveyor of the nominally legitimate administrative, incident response, and parental monitoring tool Netwire, the researchers assess Netwire as a remote access Trojan. Legitimate tools can certainly be abused, but WorldWired Labs seems curiously elusive, with suspiciously vague contact information. It's based, for example, as the researchers put it, somewhere in Belize. NSO Group, in its ongoing litigation with Facebook, claims basically that spyware doesn't spy, spies do. The Guardian reports the company doesn't operate the technology it sells. That's fair enough, maybe, but the matter raises some questions about lawful intercept tools in general. There are certainly technologies that seem to have legitimate markets, but that need to be sold to a restricted set of buyers. 
Military weapons in general would seem to fall into this category, as do many articles of police equipment. Perhaps that's the sort of model that might be applied to lawful intercept tools. Bugging the mob is one thing. Bugging a political opponent is another. And finally, hey everybody, researchers at Stanford have just discovered and operationalized a new biometric modality, which is being characterized as anodermal. What's the deuce? Well, that's all we've got to say on this one. We are a family show, after all. Look it up. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now, a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Joe, great to have you back. It's good to be back, Dave. Uh, interesting article. Uh, this is from the folks over uh, doing the Naked Security blog uh, by Sophos, and uh, it's titled, COVID-19 Forces Browser Makers to Continue Supporting TLS 1.0. That's What's right. What's going on here, Joe? Okay, so TLS 1.0 and 1.1 are older now, and they have been deprecated by browsers already. But And TLS stands for? It, excellent question, Dave. I'm making the assumption everybody understands what this is. <laughs> uh, it stands for Transport Layer Security, and it is a way of encrypting information within the network stack so that it, the data is encrypted at the transport layer. Now, what that means is it's not encrypted at the IP layer. So as far as IP is concerned, the data is plain text. But one layer up at the, at the transport layer, 
it is encrypted, which means okay. that further up for the for the user, it's uh, it's encrypted. And this is how your web page, your web web traffic is encrypted as well. Okay. So anytime you see that little lock and you know that you're communicating securely with a server, you're communicating right. over TLS. The old version before TLS 1.0 was SSL, and that is completely not supported anymore. It's not okay. not viewed as secure. These older protocols have been around long enough that they're now less secure and to the point where people don't even view them as secure. And you can be out of PCI compliance if you're using one of these older versions. Also, there's a concern that some of the web services may stop functioning if you're using these older versions because they're not being supported. So mm-hmm. the, what these browser companies are doing, browser makers like, like Google and Microsoft and Mozilla, they're saying, well... We were going to stop supporting TLS 1.0 and 1.1 in 2020, which is now, right? So sometime this year, they're going to do that. But they're pushing that back. And one of the reasons they're saying is Mozilla said in their release that they're reverting the change for an undetermined amount of time to better enable access to critical government sites sharing COVID-19 information. Hmm. Now, you and I just did a little poking around. We can't find any government sites that are running TLS 1.0 1.0 or 1.1. Everything we found was at least running 1.2. And, and we looked at West Virginia's site. We looked at Maryland's site, the federal government sites, uh, even the county site in rural Maryland. Uh, they were all running at least TLS 1.2, but that wasn't an exhaustive search. We didn't, you know, sure. we had 10 minutes beforehand. So <laughs> we didn't search every <laughs> single county website in the, in the country. So it, yeah. could be, it could be valid. But also think about companies that may uh, be in the process of upgrading from an older TLS version to either 1.2 or 1.3. And the people making this transition now are not working together. It's going to be a slower process for them. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, compromise to ponder that the the potential security issues of maintaining support for these, uh, I suppose um, they've concluded are are less uh, important than the ability for people to get information about things like health with uh, COVID-19. That's correct. I think that's that's exactly what's going on here is there's an assessment that's been made that the, the bigger risk is denying people information. I think that's accurate because there's nothing stopping somebody from, from going ahead and going to version 1.2 or 1.3 of TLS. Uh, mm-hmm. You can still do that and not impact older versions. Uh, and you should be doing that, by the way. You, should, you absolutely should be doing that. If your website is running TLS 1.0 or 1.1, that's not good. You should be upgrading as soon as possible. Yeah, it's interesting that we've seen several companies say that uh, throughout this global emergency that they have shifted their focus uh, away from things like new features toward security. That right. they're laser focused on, you know, updates are going to be about this one thing and it's going to be about making everyone safe and we can all agree that we're going to wait on some new features for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's a good outcome of this, I guess, if you could say that. In the development world, uh, security is not really one of the drivers of the development effort because it doesn't really present a very clear benefit to the user. To us, absolutely, it's a clear benefit, right? To people right, who think right. about these kind of things, it's a clear benefit. Right. right. Um, but if the user wants a new feature, that's really what they're focused on. I think the basic assumption of the user is that the security is built in already and that I'm trusting you to build it. So don't tell me about the security, but I expect it to be secure. Yeah, and it's those new features that tend to make the cash register ring, right? That is exactly correct. Uh, unfortunately, I think this is changing, but it's it's not, it's not, hey, our product's the most secure product you can buy on the internet for 
whatever purpose it is. It's what's the coolest feature that you have. Right, right, exactly. All right, well, Joe Kerrigan, as always, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.